You know, it's like in Wally. Remember the movie Wally? Right, right, right. You know, it's like blues in. Everyone's yeah. in blue. You know, <laughs> right. Everyone's uh-huh. in It's just right. there's no thought process. What's up, podcast listeners? It's so great to be back here on the I Choose Series podcast. Hope you guys can forgive me for some absentee. It's been a lot of a uh, lot of stuff going on in my own personal life, which. I'm so, so excited about and really, really good for the whole I Choose series. So anyway, without further ado, I hope you enjoy this amazing episode featuring badass Jacqueline Dugan-Roof. Well, I am a wife of, oh gosh, it'll be 14 years this year. Holy cow. 14 years? Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. You two X'd me. (laughs) Well, you know, I do what I can. Um, Yeah, we'll be married for 14 years, holy cow. And we have two little girls. Um, They are eight and five. And uh, so they keep my life very, very busy. I also had two older stepsons that live back in Illinois. Um, So yeah, we've never been without kids. (laughs) So it's like, huh, I don't even sure what that would look like. But uh, I have just a whole extensive background in like community development, community leadership, Um, Mm -hmm. went into politics for a little slight bit of time there. But then when we moved to Michigan, um, everything kind of changed. My entire life changed. I left everything and everyone I knew and came up to Michigan, which was, in hindsight, probably one of the best things ever for me personally. Um, but it really was a time when I had to find myself. So I have delved into this world of coaching and kind of the empowerment and focusing on um, really kind of stripping labels for people and working on empowerment and confidence and all that, clearly why we connected. But the universe has a plan, I'm, I'm assuming, and just really kind of dialing into that and really kind of owning my spot and my place in that world. So that's what I do on the daily. So what I'm doing every single day is building a business for myself and my family. Um, but yeah, I'm a mompreneur. I work from home. I, um, yeah, it's been quite the journey, especially the last year. It's Incredible. been quite the journey. So, mm-hmm. so you've been living in Michigan now for a year, you said? Yeah, a little over a year. And what mm-hmm. prompted the move? Uh, actually, my husband's job. He, we always said, okay, if we ever get the chance to move, we'll move. And we never thought we'd actually do it. Uh, we are both from our hometown. So finally, one day, he's just like, you know, I, I applied. Do you want to move to Michigan? And I thought, hmm, this could be interesting. New adventure. I'm, I'm pretty adventurous. I like to do change things up a lot. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, we just packed everything up. And within a matter of selling our house in a month, and we moved up here two days after Christmas. And Wow. haven't looked back. Um, there are certain aspects of it, just getting used to a new community and that and being so involved in our last community, kind of finding my place has been an interesting challenge. And I came here and I cut my hair into a mohawk and dyed it purple. So, not, not Oh, sure. you mean it's not always like that? It wasn't always like that? Mm-mm. Nope, sure wasn't. Nope, this is the... <laughs> This is the true Jacqueline, the, the mohawk, purple mohawk. Um, so, yeah, a lot of, like I said, a lot of finding myself in that year that I was like, no, this is me. I'm going to shave my head and put it into a purple mohawk. Why not? Right? I can embrace that. I wish that. I could do it. If I could do a purple mohawk, I would totally do it. <laughs> I get that a lot. People are like, I'm getting light on top. I'm getting light on top. It wouldn't look so good. Okay, so you're in Michigan a year, and before mm-hmm. that, you were in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And you were a little bit dabbling into politics, you mentioned. I was, yeah. Man, what's yeah. up with that? Well, um, it's in my this genes. Is, by the way, this is not a political show. Just want to put that <laughs> Right. Let's not talk politics because I realize <laughs> that it's not really my forte. Um, I, I think I I'm, I'm come from a family full of politicians. I, my mom's a career politician. So 
Um, I was kind of following in her footsteps a little. I pushed it off for a long time and just, I kind of blamed it on my kids. Like, no, my kids are too young. I don't want to run. I don't want to run. Um, and they caught me at a good time and I was feeling super, um, super empowered at that time. And they were like, Hey, we need someone to run. And it was, again, I don't know why everything so happened so quickly for me, but I had like a month to like decide and run and be on the ballot and like get elected. It was crazy. And it was wow. right after I just happened to do a cage fight. So I had been training for four months for a Muay Thai cage fight. And uh, yeah, then I turned around and ran for political office and they actually elected me, believe it or not. <laughs> wait, wait, um, before uh, the election, I need to get into this. You went into a cage fight? I did. There's my certificate of my level one mastery. It's really oh, not fun. too crazy. Oh my goodness. Okay, yeah. so how long did you train for this cage fight? Gosh, it felt like forever. Um, it was like four months, three months. So I decided in, Whoa. yeah. I decided kind of in June of 20, it would have been 2016. I was like, yeah, I might if you find a girl. But a lot of times in cage fighting, you have to be a certain weight class, of course. Yeah. And um, typically females are like 125, 135, maybe 145. I'm like, I walk at 200. So mm. good luck with that. Yeah. Um, and I have hormones and I'm a mom and, you know, my body and all that fun stuff. So they found okay. a girl who wanted to find a fighter um, at 170. And I'm like, okay, I don't even think I can do that, but let's try it. And I trained for three months, like hours on end. I was gone every night for like five, six hours. I was just training, training, just training, just get my body. <laughs> like I was running on a treadmill, which I do not run. Yeah. Um, just like combat. I had to do a combat test where I'm pretty sure I died and came back to life at the end. Really? Um, it's kind of a blur. And, uh, but yeah, they just trained me and trained me hard. And every day I would just go home sore and wondering what the heck I was doing, but I'd already committed to it. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened. So I was going to fight February of 2017. And um, it just so happened. It was the day before my dad's birthday, who he had just passed two years before that. Wow. And he, that's when I kind of started getting into it. And he was super excited about it. He's like, yeah, man my daughter's a cage fighter. I'm like, whoa, dad, I'm just like punching mitts. Like it's nothing <laughs> extensive. So the fact that I actually did it, he would have been super stoked. But um, yeah, so I just did that and I trained and then come February, it, um, the fight happened. It was actually, and of course, cause this is how things work for me. It was in my hometown. So I had hundreds of people there that I knew okay. that everyone okay. came out cause this is Jacqueline's debut. We were the only female fight of the night, which, of course, ranks you up even higher. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I sold, like, 200 or 250 tickets just myself. Man, then, did, you get a, did you get a cut of that? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, thank goodness. Um, <laughs> made up for all the time. I, and then I went to Vegas on it. <laughs> I, took, I took my cut. Put it all on red. <laughs> I, went, I took my cup we went to Vegas two weeks later um but anyway so like yeah it was in my hometown everyone had like I've always had this very big persona of like she's a total badass she's like so strong she of course she's fighting and it was so out of my realm of my comfort zone um wow. because it wasn't about the biggest baddest strongest person mm. um it was a lot of mental a lot of mental and that that night, like, I don't remember even, like, walking out to the cage. Like, I don't remember anyone saying anything. I didn't hear anything. I didn't even hear my trainers. Um, I don't remember any of that. All I remember is when I walked in, I was the second one in. Of course, she was already in there. And I remember the ref looking at me, 
And the only sound I remember hearing out of everything, nobody screaming or anything, was the lock locking. Locking the door. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's no turning back. And, you know, of course, your pride takes over. You're like, I could get out because I could crawl over this cage. This, how, I don't know, is it like eight foot? I have no idea how, even how tall it is. I'm like, yeah. I could crawl over that cage. That's how I could get out. Nobody could get to me. Nobody could get in. My husband's on the other side of the cage. My trainers are on the other side of the cage. It's me, this girl who's coming at me, and a ref who just basically makes sure I don't die for the most part. So, yeah, it was. And <laughs> comforting, I don't. Very comforting. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, wow, like for the first time in my life, I feel like it's finally just me because yeah. for, I feel like for growing up with my mom in the position she was and we did a lot of community service and a lot of people thought I was just handed stuff in life. And I kind of had the silver spoon was kind of the big joke. Of course you go into politics. Of course you follow in your mother's footsteps. Everything's so comfortable. And I kind of lived that. And I kind of took that for granted. Like, well, yeah, why would I get out of my comfort zone? Everything's so comfortable, right? Everything's paved for me. Um, and at that point I knew when that was a turning point in my life when nobody could get to me and I couldn't get out and it was me. Like I had to fully believe in myself to survive for the six minutes. It was only six minutes, but it was like crazy six minutes. So, all right. So for anyone who's just tuning in right now, we are speaking <laughs> with Jacqueline living in Michigan. She's talking about coming. Her, her mother was uh, in, still involved in politics. Mm, yes. And per se, she's kind of retired, but yes, kind of okay. still. <laughs> Ran for office, but before running for office, she's speaking to us right now about her cage fight. Mm -hmm. So she walks into the ring, doesn't hear anybody or anything except Nothing. for that lock on the door. Mm -hmm. And hey, you ain't There's getting no out. <laughs> <laughs> and mind you, I'm going into this at 35. I'm a 35-year-old mother of two. So now I am kind of, again, that personality, go big or go home. Like, I got to do something grand for, like, it to sink in. Although I think that that was even <laughs> Like, even, you know, notches above what I would typically do. Um, yeah, totally. So, yeah, I remember. So, what happened? So, it's, you, got, you got six minutes and a referee's <laughs> making sure you don't die. How did, what happened? Um, is it on video somewhere? Can I see this on YouTube? It is. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is, Michael. Of course it is. We need someone to pull that late. If you're watching right yeah, now, find, find Jacqueline <laughs> in the cage and add that as a comment, please. Yeah, just, we yeah. See that. But it has my name. I'm sure it'll pop up somewhere. Um, right. I remember, I, I also remember telling my trainer, like, oh, I'm not sure that it's going to click. Like, I was really afraid that I'd get in there. And I'm, I'm like the most easygoing, very compassionate person. So I was really afraid that it wouldn't click, like that switch wouldn't turn on. Which and switch are you talking about? Survival? Yeah. <laughs> like, just that switch of, like, I don't want to, I don't know her. I don't, I don't dislike her. I don't even know who she is. I didn't meet her beforehand. I researched her a little bit, of course. Yeah. Um, watched, you know, her past one fight she had, but I'm like, I, I don't know that it's going to switch on. And it did. <laughs> that, yeah. that first punch to the face, I was like, oh, that's how that, and I'd always been, you know, I've been sparring with all of my teammates who were mainly guys and they did not go light on me. Um, but it was like that whole instinct of, okay, you could either, let her go at you and your pride takes over the adrenaline rush. The adrenaline dump is real. Mm -hmm. I remember looking at my trainer, I think just after the first round, I'm like, I can't breathe. He's like, you got 30 seconds. <laughs> you might want to suck it up because you're going back out. And like they had, like, they just kept pushing me out for my three rounds. I did survive. 
Um, the best part of it is I lost. <laughs> that's, wow. that's the best part. So my Wait, let me was ask you a question. How was, how was this loss, though? Because I, I watch the <laughs> UFC every now and then. Mm -hmm. Was it like a knockout? Was it like a chokeout? Was it? No, it was just by decision. Mm -hmm. By decision. Okay. Yeah. So not right. too so bad. So you stood ground. I did. I did. did. I did get kind of caught up. She was pretty top heavy. And Jessica, if you ever watched this, she was pretty top heavy. So she had a really good strategy where she just clinched me most of the time. So I couldn't get out. Okay. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of just like, just throwing, just trying to survive. I knew I had six minutes to do it. Um, and then at the end, it was just like, it's done. I mean, your, your ego does take a hit when you've been training so hard. Yeah. And the other person's hand gets raised. Um, and you're in your hometown. Yeah. <laughs> There's all these people expecting, you know, big bad Jacqueline. And I was like, yeah, I, I, the best part is I lost. And I still walked out of there. And I remember telling them, don't ask me if I'll do it again, because I probably won't do it again anytime soon. Um, but I said, you know, I'm even more of a badass than when I walked in. And being mm -hmm. a mom and just being my girls weren't there to watch it. They watched it later on YouTube. Um, but it was just like that feeling of, man, I can do just about anything for myself that no one else helped me through that. It was all me. Yeah. Man, what an empowering, like beautiful experience because mm -hmm. it's in that it's in those moments when we're like when we when we really can't depend on anyone mm -hmm. but ourselves that we right. really get to see kind of like what we're made of. Yeah. I you thought know? I was made of a lot until that point. Then I knew like yeah. I, I really was able to define myself finally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Mike Tyson says, you know, yeah, everyone has a plan until they step in the ring, get punched in the face. <laughs> right, and it goes right out the window. <laughs> I had cool. all the, the progressions I was going to do in the sequence, and I've been practicing all these things with my trainer. And then I just remember looking, I'm like, I got nothing. I'm just surviving at this point. He's like, that's all you got to do is just survive. So I wow. wasn't about to get knocked out. That was not, a, that was not an option. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. good for you. What an incredible yes. experience. And you lived to tell about it. I did. And I did. we didn't get a comment yet, but I'm hoping someone's finding that on YouTube to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. That's thanks. incredible, Don't. man. So then what happens next now? So after the cage fight, what mm -hmm. happens next? I go to Vegas <laughs> with my cut of the okay. Um, And I did find out, though, at that point, too, God bless her. Um, so I'm talking to the girl I just got done fighting and talking about going to Vegas. She's like, oh, I can't wait till I can go to Vegas. And I'm like, how old are you? She's like, I'm 20. I'm like, I am a 35 year old mother too. Like, what am I doing? Then I was like, damn, I'm a 35 year old mother too. That just survived. Like I felt pretty darn proud about that. So yeah, yeah it was, yeah, it was kind of that, that feeling. But after that, then I ran for elected office. Cause why not? Wow. Yeah, why not why do not? that? Go for it. And right? you won. I did. I got okay. the highest number of votes actually. Mm -hmm. um, now, according to some people, it would be because of my last name and who I am and good, bad, or indifferent. I took it and ran with it. Mm -hmm. um, I was elected. I was put into office. I started diving in. Um, and then six months later, I moved to Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> so you bounced. You just bounced. Uh, I'm like, so thanks for electing me. And uh, we're moving to Michigan now, so you might want to find someone to replace me. Yeah. Uh, talk about, talk about um, a definite hit for me of that, that thing of just everyone expected it and everyone was just like, oh yeah, of course. And oh, we have all these things to do. And I realized that as much as I hated walking away from it because I was so involved in it, because when I do something, it's like 150% or I'm kind of that like go above and beyond person. And when I had to walk away from it for moving, mm. um, it was 
a sense of pride, but also a sense of relief, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. Because I was, I was tired of living in the shadow. I was tired of serving everyone else and just forgetting about myself. Um, I was tired of living up to those labels that everyone had given me. Yeah. And, uh, and I wanted to finally just be me, which is not this hard-nosed, stubborn, really tough person, you know, like that's really yeah. not me. So it, it finally helped me strip that away a little bit. For everyone who just tuned in, we're talking with Jacqueline. She's from Michigan. She's living in Michigan right now. She just told us an incredible story about her being a cage fighter. So um, just once, you know, just once. Just once. <laughs> uh, you can check it out on YouTube, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and be being elected into office uh, in the political Sorry, world, so in the political so realm, and then and then leaving six months later from that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Wow. So it sounds to me like you. Um, just a lot going on, you know, what's going on in your head at all this time? I mean, for you to take these chances, for you to do these things, for you to have these desires, you know, you're proving it to, to yourself, you're proving it. There's a lot of what, what I'm hearing is that, you know, there's a lot of searching here, of finding who you mm -hmm. are. Where did yeah. that come from? Um, I, I do. I think it, I think it came from just the many years of being in the shadow. Um, like I, I vividly remember, I tell a lot of people about this of like, and it's not even the political side of it, but it is, um, just like going to things and having people, um, for example, I would go to events and things cause I was in positions or I was on boards or I was involved in a lot. Um, and having people ask me all the time, like, Oh, how's your mom? Um, Oh, she's doing great. Oh, this and that. And then I would just be like, you know what? never one ever asked me like, how are you doing Jacqueline? Or you're doing great things. It was always like, well, when are you going to go into political office? Cause she's done. So it's your turn. Like it was always this perception or this expectation that I just, I got really good at just stuffing down and just going, just smile and nod. Right. As smile if it was already laid out. Oh, it was totally like who, laid out for who me. Who you are and what you're going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. totally laid out. And, and, and me, I went with it. Cause yeah. why not go with what's comfortable? Yeah. Hmm. I think that that's something that a lot of people or most people will kind of get in a rut every once in a while where you're just like, it's comfortable. Why would I go out of my comfort zone? Why would I put myself in a cage? Why would I move away from everything and everyone I know? Why yeah. would I move away from secure jobs? Why would, you know, like all this stuff mm -hmm. to then have to rediscover myself or even for me, it was like discovering me, like actually yeah. being like, I'm a legit person that can stand on my own. That was a huge deal for me. Hmm. So where does this take you mentally? I mean, where, where do you, you know, does it take you to some pretty dark places? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah for sure. So I, I've always had kind of a history with, um, there's mental illness uh, in my family. So I've always kind of struggled with that a little bit of not even just defining who I am, but making sure that it was true to me. So I didn't feel overwhelmed because when I start to feel overwhelmed, I tend, I tend to shut down. Um, like in college, there would always be like this turmoil that I, that I always kind of experienced. And I would, I was suicidal in college in my early twenties, you know, I was like contemplating. So just because it's so overwhelming to me, um, mm. at times, and it was always because I never knew who I actually was. And I know it's an ongoing process and it's always, it's ever evolving, right. Of who you discover, who you are. But for me, it was like, do I go this route? and just stay comfortable and kind of at the status quo, or do I just challenge it even more? And I've always been kind of a rebel. So 
I just never was able to embrace it until then. So definitely mm-hmm. when we moved and everything was taken away, it was a dark place. It was very much a, a pressure was lifted off of me, but it was also a very dark place because I realized that the real Jacqueline, she's, she's scary. <laughs> like she's super confident. She's super um, passionate about things. She speaks her mind. She's bold. She's her. She, you know, like she's respectful of people, but then yet again, if you don't like her, it's not like she's going to wallow in it, which I did um, before. That's what I would always do. Like someone didn't like me, I'd be like, oh, why don't they like me? And I would wallow in it forever. And then it didn't serve anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, I came face to face with the real Jacqueline and I had to decide at that point, was I going to embrace her or was I going to continue to just feed myself my own line of bullshit for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. For lack of better words, yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. So. And this, this sounds kind of recent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was within the last year. So you're like fresh in it. I'm fresh in it, fresh in it yeah, and fresh kind of coming out of it. Um, I feel like finally kind of um, embracing that and taking the chance that people may not like me and having to meet new people. Like that's huge. Like that was a huge thing. I'm like, kind of feel like I'm dating like people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, who do I want to be friends with? I don't have to necessarily attach to everybody. Who's my people? Who do yeah. I resonate with? Because before Finding I didn't tribe. have a choice. Yeah. I, yeah. Before I didn't have a choice. I, I kind of had to be, I was shaking hands and kissing babies, you know? So there was no like, oh, they're not part of my tribe type of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand that. You know, I, I have to say that um, it sounds like, you know, look, the, the growing and the changing is never going to end. Right. Especially if like, that's what you're seeking. If you are I seeking personal. Yeah. If you're I seeking that personal ends. growth, but you know, you're saying like, oh man, you know, you're a year in it right now. And I think that, you, you know, in my opinion, it's like, it sounds to me like you're getting, you're getting closer to like a new chapter, which will then right. start something else. Right. Right. Yeah. What and those is new that? chapters are exciting, but they're also super, super scary. Like yeah. it's also very like, you either decide to take that step or just stay where you're at. And I've decided you know, I wanna, what's it going to I want to hold it. I want to hold it right there because yep. you are an incredibly courageous, brave individual. I mean, you are taking chances, you're getting out there and you are, you are experiencing things, you're doing shit, you're getting out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And so for me, and I'm sure for everyone who's listening, like that is, that is brave and that is courageous. Thank you. Appreciate and that. yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of like why, why we're doing this whole thing is to share right. these kinds of stories, you know, um, of people. But I want to talk about fear because sure. I think it's fear that holds people back, number one. Number one thing that holds people back from being their true self or being the lead in their life story is, a, is fear. Fear. Fear of, like, just about anything. Fear of failure, fear of judgment, fear of self-judgment, fear of not liking who you might be on the other side. I mean, it's just all fear-based. And I feel yeah. like until I, I finally decided to, like, take those fears and face them and just like come, I guess, come to terms with them, like actually look at them, like don't stuff them away. Don't say like, well, I have a fear, fear of failure. What does that mean exactly? Is it fear of failure for myself? Is it fear of failure? Because everyone else is going to judge me. Like all of that, like working through that. I've done a lot of work on that because I I realized with finding my true self, there was a lot of fear behind that. Mm. There was definitely fears that I had to finally face that I couldn't say anymore. If I wanted to be my true self, I mean, I could have just stayed 
where I was. And I could just been like, everything was fine. Like, it's not like my life was horrible by any means. Yeah. Um, but it was just like, it's finally time to cut through it, cut through yeah. the huge layer of bullshit and just get through it. There's a lot I'm hearing, Jacqueline, and I'm hearing like, you know, this, first of all, it's recognizing and understanding mm-hmm. that you're not at the fullest potential that you believe Correct. you can be or should be. Yep. Um, I guess the question I would have to ask now is that what are you afraid of now? Um, that's a great question. I am afraid of um, not being completely who I am intended to be. I think at this point, I am so afraid that I'm going to get in my head, I'm going to get, you know, self doubt, I'm gonna get fearful again, at a different part, and just not get to that point where I am doing like, like you said, living up to my fullest potential. Um, That is a fear of mine that I'm going to leave this world and that it's going to be like, well, that was a waste because she didn't reach her fullest potential. That's probably one of my biggest fears always has been a fear. I've just masked it with other things like, well, I can't do that because I might fail or I might do that because people, you know, people might judge me. Um, But really it's been this fear of not being me and not being the fullest potential, whatever that is. And that's according to my own standards, not the standards of everybody else. Cause I've gone 36, almost 37 years of listening to everyone else. (laughs) It's time to finally be like, yeah, what do you want? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, just be careful because there's, there's those voices sometimes and I hear them too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why I'm saying this, you know, there's Mm -hmm. these voices in our heads. The only thing that I can, um, that I can say with full confidence from my experience is that, you know, we don't, we don't ever like want to hurt ourselves it's really other voices that have crept into our mind. Yep. It's, it's other people's voices because, you know, the inside voice is like that comes from our hearts already knows and understands like who right. we are. Right. You know? mm-hmm. and I think it's this world and the environment that we're in that is just constantly shitting on people, telling people that they suck. Yep. And, and that's, again, that's why we built this whole I choose thing because we want to create you know, an entire platform where we can empower people and support people. And we're doing this by sharing people's stories. Right. And so by you coming on here and talking about your fears and the vulnerability that you have, Mm -hmm. everyone who's listening right now, whether they want to talk about it or not, is facing the same shit. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. And that's why I want people to understand. Like, I feel like one of those, that's one of my purpose in life is to just say, you know what, it, I made it, may have made different choices than someone else next to me, but we all have this, this deep-seated fears, whatever they may look like, um, and it doesn't make me any better than the person next to me or them any better than me. It's like we're all human. Like, it's yeah. just this human factor. What's our common denominator? We're human. So yeah. it's just like the whole part of people, you know, just, oh, I, I hate judgment. Like, I, I loathe judgment. Like, I'm mm. not... I've always been like that. Like I don't like people who use titles to their advantage or their position or which is so funny since I've been surrounded by political people most of my life or, (laughs) you know, people of power and stature. Maybe that's where I get it from because I look at them. They've never been their title or their power. They've always been a human to me. So Mm. that's what I just want people to understand that, that the safe space and there's always going to be people, but you don't have to surround yourself with them either. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that um, I think that there's a lot of people out there who can identify with exactly what you're saying. So you talk about this fear of mm-hmm. not being, you know, your true self. How are you? How are you? How are you dealing with that? <clears throat> By putting myself out there. <laughs> By shaving my head and dyeing it purple, no. Um, <laughs> Which looks it, great, by the way. Thanks, thanks. On most days, it's looking a little crazy tonight. Um, <laughs> for me, it usually looks crazy. For me, it is that just putting myself out there, like not having that, like not restricting myself. Like everyone's like, oh my gosh, Jacqueline, you're doing so many great things. And oh my gosh, we see you on, on social media. And oh my gosh, you know, you're having all this growth. And like, you know what? It's not necessarily all of that, it's the fact that I'm just willing to put myself out there. Like I will, sometimes to a fault, like I will be transparent and put myself out there and talk about all the icky stuff if I know that it will impact someone, even just Mm -hmm. someone. So for me, it's just, I'm finding my true self by being willing to get out there, Um, being willing to put my story out there, being willing to put what I find, you know, what I find my passion is behind with my coaching and you know, empowering people and all that. Um, that's how I'm finding my true self is because then it reminds me of all the work I still need to do on myself as I'm helping people. Um, but also to just getting out there. I mean, it's nothing, I got nothing to hide. So people can do with it what they want. And to me, that's super empowering. Yeah. You know, when you, when you, um, when you come out swinging and you say like, I don't have anything to hide, it's really, really difficult for adversaries or people who maybe are uh, not living in that light to take you down because yep. it doesn't matter what they think or say. Yeah, pretty much. You know? and, if, and if I ever need it, I'll put my gloves on. So <laughs> I, I miss it here in Michigan. I haven't found yet found that tribe. So <laughs> I'm willing. Anyone that wants to travel to Michigan, I'm here. I got gloves. I'm ready. <laughs> oh For those who are just tuning in, we're speaking with Jacqueline from Michigan. Um, she uh, has spoken about her cage fighting experience, which you can check out on YouTube. <laughs> Um, we're still waiting for someone that. to leave that comment because I want to see it. I, I may have to leave a comment for you. <laughs> um, and we're talking about fear and vulnerability and bravery and courage. And, you know, right now you're living, you said, as a mompreneur and a life coach. I am. Yeah, I'm kind of in the life coaching realm. What um, does that mean? I always, I always find that fascinating. What? Well, what people, life people that are life coaches, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, um, a lot of times people will have a negative connotation with it. Really, at this point, anyone can call themselves a life coach, mm-hmm. per se. Um, really, what it comes down to is the passion behind it. So I know that I can lead groups of people. I know that my one of my many goals in life is to speak. Like, to get on stages, give me a mic, I can speak all day long is to spread this message, to spread my message, spread what I'm passionate about, which is authenticity. A lot of my stuff goes back to the authenticity piece and really helping people kind of own who they are, um, strip away those labels, kind of really talk about the nitty gritty stuff. So that's my passion Um, and leading retreats for people, especially women, you know, just all these things that I know are my gifts um, and coaching people along the way. So, I mean, life coaches, you get all sorts of kinds. I mean, it, it's an industry where you can get really high level people who talk over your head where you're like, I don't even know what they're talking about. And then you get people who are just like, I'm gonna call myself a life coach today. And then they just throw out and charge people money. Right. So in this world, there's a lot of connection and and a person who does it right connects with their people. So I only want to serve the people who connect with me. 
Um, I don't want to serve everybody because I can't. That's not my, my goal in life. Um, if I can inspire people and people that connect with me or kind of vibe on the same, my tribe, you know, where, where my vibe is, then that's who I'm here to serve. I wholeheartedly believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. And how do you, how do you, um, how do you serve other people? Great question. <laughs> I work every day, very hard. So, um, well, right now I'm currently doing like programs and kind of your typical life coaching thing, putting together my first retreat, which I'm really excited about. Um, and just making sure that I best serve people when I'm me. Hmm. What does it mean to go on a retreat? What does that mean? Yeah. So typically you'll see retreats like weekend retreats. They're kind of like, um, they can be anything. Like you can be like a yoga retreat, which I'm not a yogi. I, I hit mitts for anything. Um, <laughs> like yoga retreat, or you can go on like a, a weekend excursion. You can go to Italy. I know there's a retreat here locally that's going to Italy. So things like that, um, where you can have transformation for people. So for me, my main goal is kind of the body centered, really becoming one with yourself type retreats where they can walk away with just feeling totally badass, basically. So mm. everything that I've programmed around my brand has the word badass in it, like every single thing I that, that I programmed because I've owned it and I didn't own it for a long time. I'm like, no, I don't want to be that. I want to be super flowy and I want to be like super soft and like this whole like inner work thing. And I'm like, Hmm. No, actually, I'm pretty badass, so I should probably <laughs> meld the two. So I actually call myself the beautiful badass because it's kind of feminine and masculine altogether. So things yeah. like that where kind of they just gather and there's just transformation that happens for people. I mean, it's up to them. Ultimately, I just am the guide. That's what I'm here to do. And so if somebody wanted to reach out and they were they were considering a coach or thinking about that, yeah, um, you know, what would what would you what, what would you do with them do you like do you interview them do you see if like you're the right fit for them yeah like yeah, how does that you work should, you should i shouldn't say you should always so some coaches don't um i do because i want to make sure that i'm not just putting people in a program where they get done and they've wasted their time energy and money i wholeheartedly feel that so yeah i will typically like someone goes oh i want to work with you or oh i'm interested in a retreat or a program or whatever i have a conversation with them and just say is this going to be a right fit for you? Are you a right fit for you? For me, am I a right fit for you? Because it's an energy exchange at the end of the day. You know, mm-hmm. energy, time, money's energy, everything's energy to me. So it's an energy exchange. And if it's not a, a good energy exchange, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel mm-hmm. it. And it's not going to, it's going to be basically useless. And I don't like to be useless. I don't like to be like where I'm just spinning my wheels and not productive in a way that's going to be transforming. Yeah. So, you know, what do you think, based on all this conversation that we're sharing here, I mean, mm-hmm. we're going through a lot of stuff. Right. What do you think is like, is that number one most impactful choice that you've made up to this point that's gotten you to where you are today? Um, I would say most impactful. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say the day I decided that the only, I can be surrounded by people and I have loving people surrounding me, my husband, my kids, my family included, my friends. Um, but I think it was that moment that I decided that in order to actually get to the point I needed to get, I actually needed to be okay with myself. 
mm-hmm. and to embrace that and to be open to who was coming out, um, to be open to that and not so closed off. And it would just be like, I just took, I basically took up a friendship with myself where I'm like, would I hang out with myself? Like, that's basically what I did. And I said, <laughs> would I hang out with me? Yeah, I think I would. I think I'm fun. Um, but is that authentic fun? You know, like, is it really who I would want to hang out with? And until I just finally said, I, I remember having a conversation with myself, like, Jacqueline, you got to stop. Like, you got to stop living up to all these labels. You got to write about it. You got to just get it out. Um, you got to just come face to face with it and stop basically just stop masking it and going okay have a conversation with yourself and be done with it be done with it and move on and figure out what that looks like um Mm -hmm. i think that that was probably the most impactful sitting by myself and actually taking the time to go through that um was probably the most life-altering for me Hmm. you know when i actually start liking myself i actually kind of like myself i'm kind of (laughs) cool actually i think but (laughs) That was not always the case. So. Thanks. I, I think so yeah, too. I think so. I didn't Look, think I was cool for many years, so <laughs> let me remind you that. <laughs> well, where does that come from, though? Because I mean, I don't. I do not think that you are alone in this. Like, I know you're not alone in this. But where does, where the hell does this shit come from that we have this negativity inside of us? Great question. Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of people could say like, oh, something happened in your childhood, something happened growing up, someone told you something along the way, right? Hmm. Um, you weren't good enough, or you didn't deserve this, or whatever it might be, or something traumatic happened, um, which it, life is going to happen. Usually there's trauma uh, along the way somewhere, something traumatic, maybe on different levels. Everyone experiences trauma on different levels in my world. Um, good, bad, or indifferent. But I, I think it's when you allow it to take space um, in your energy field is when you can either let it and continue to let it or you can decide enough is enough mm. and there's but, there's you know, work I, and I need do the to work. know i need to know for me and i'm putting you on the spot here oh, and i'm sorry but i need <laughs> to know for me because i'm i'm on a i'm on a journey myself and sure. i need to know where this where it comes from it's the only way to overcome it you know right is it where do different you feel for it? everybody? Is it like... I think you feel it different. Like, where do you feel it? Like, when you, when you think about this whole idea, maybe that you're not good enough, or you don't like yourself, or whatever, where do you feel it? Hmm. It's not that I don't like myself. I do like myself. You know, I think that... Mm-hmm. I think that I could be... I think sometimes I could... I know this may sound ridiculous, but I think sometimes I could be too hard on myself. Amen, right? A lot of yeah. people can. And when you do that, when, where do you feel it? Like physically in your body? Where do I feel it? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have a physical reaction to it. I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. I'd maybe try to identify that. Like a lot of times for me, it's in the pit of my stomach. So mm-hmm. I know that when I start to feel those feelings, like I my like literally my digestion will be off. I'm just funky. Like everything's different and until I can actually like stop and recognize that and work through that. And it can be in any form. I mean, it can be if you do meditation, if you just take two seconds to yourself to even think about it or to work through it. I mean, that that can make a huge difference. That's what works for me. It doesn't work mm-hmm. for everybody. So I feel like everyone's got to kind of figure out what works for them um, for it to actually be impactful. Like, don't follow what everyone else says just because they say it works for them. 
Mm-hmm. You got to like really figure out what works. And it may be something like punching mitts really works for me, you know, or it may be doing yoga or maybe working out or maybe just sitting in silence for five, 10 minutes, um, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. So I, I think it, I think it will, if you try to recognize it, kind of that physical sensation and just giving recognition to that. So saying, okay, I know my stomach hurts, my gut hurts. There's something not right. Um, I have these, you know, you always think it's in your head, but you always feel it somewhere else. And just recognizing that and coming to terms with it and giving it its, its recognition or place that it needs, it'll go away. Like it'll start mm-hmm. to go away. You'd be like, I hear you. I feel you. I know you're in there, but you have no place. You have no mm-hmm. place and work through it. Yeah, I'm gonna, I actually, my... next, time, next time I'm going through this, I'm going to, um, I'm going to see if there's like a physical something going on. Yeah. I think that's fascinating. Tightness yeah. in your chest. If you're, if you get really tense in your shoulders, maybe, I don't know, but what recognize if it, was, it. What if it was in like my back? What would that mean? I think it would mean for... anything. Oh, I, okay. I, yeah. I don't so think I'm just there's identifying like... where it is. Yeah. So just identify where it is. So like for me, then what, a lot do I, of... what do I do? I say recognize it. So I say, okay, I can feel you in my back. You really mm-hmm. suck by the way. <laughs> and I don't like you being on my back or I don't like that feeling. I don't like that feeling. Hey, gut pit my stomach. Um, I'll actually do like healing with it and stuff like that. Cause I'll do like certain meditations or whatever. Cause a lot of times, especially for females too, um, what happens is you feel a lot in the pit of your stomach because that's where we create. That's mm-hmm. our room space. So a lot of times we feel that like when something feels off, we're not allowed to be creative. We're not allowed to be, what we're intended to be. So a lot of times that's why I feel it in the pit of my stomach. That's where I've recognized it. Um, but yeah, I would say just recognize it and say, okay, yeah, you suck. I don't want you in there anymore. Move along, <laughs> move along, move along, but recognize it. Like people, people stuff things, stop stuffing yeah. shit and recognize yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I think I, for me, the most impactful thing that you, you know, that you'd shared is, is the vulnerability and the fear. I think that's very relatable. And then recognizing that and understanding it is, is basically the first step, Mm -hmm. you know, into becoming the person that you are supposed to be. I I agree with you a thousand percent on that. I think that we have to, in order for us to understand who we are, we have to explore the vulnerability. Yeah. You know, it's there, it's there that we really get to see who we, who we truly are. Right. And the world needs that. The world needs each person to be their authentic self. Like we don't need a bunch of fake people, unauthentic people running around. Like I would rather be completely, know someone completely authentically and raw. Maybe they made poor decisions or whatever other crap they have in their life than to be masked and fake. And it serves nobody. It serves nobody in the world to be unauthentic. Totally. Totally. I think that what we see now is we see a lot of people who are products of the world. Right. Yep. They've been told how to live. They've been told what's right. They've been told what's wrong. It's a very, um, <laughs> is maybe, yeah. Is, um, is pi- piety or pious the right, the mm-hmm. right term I'm thinking of? Yep. I know what you mean. Where it's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the world says this, you know, it's like in Wally. Remember the movie Wally? Right, right, right. You right. Know, it's like blues in. Everyone turns yeah. blue. You know, that's <laughs> right. right now. Everyone uh-huh. turns It's just right. there's no thought process. You know, right. and I think that that's that's the most dangerous place to be because when there's intellectual, you know, thinking taking place, 
and there's conversations, even with people that we don't agree with. Right. That's where like really beautiful things can come from. Amen. And right. we, are, we are really in a place right now where I think we are losing touch with that. Um, right. And the excuse to lose touch with that is anger or audacity or a variety of other things. But when it comes down to it, it's really just a bunch of children fighting over a shovel in a sandbox. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, I would totally agree with you on that. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening to the I Choose Series podcast. Uh, again, we're just in the beginning stages here of building an epic, epic foundation. So if you like what you hear, uh, you can follow us on Facebook at I Choose Series, also on Instagram, and please share the podcast. Thanks so much, everybody.